This is Prairie Room Companion, episode 64, recorded August 3rd, 2011. Immigration, a Catholic Perspective. Welcome to This Week in Prairie Room Companion. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald. And I'm Father Andrew Dickinson. Uh, good to see you again, Father. Father and I are using the new awesome Google Hangouts to record this. Pretty cool, so huh, Father? Google is recording every one of our conversations and saving them and filing them away in secret government archives in the, yes, the country of China. So whatever we say is going to be flagged and tagged by the uh, NSA. And You know and, I'm a little paranoid about this. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I know. So you put your friends in circles? Just remember who else put people in circles? Dante, <laughs> in hell. Yes, I know. But I've seen you on Facebook, Father, so don't give me any of this you know, paranoia. Yeah, I trust students are on Facebook. As far as I know, I don't have any students on Google+. Well, you got to get them there because I trust Google more than I trust Facebook. No, I don't need to get them there. I need to get them to Jesus, and then I'll go wherever they are to get them to Jesus. Oh, well, la-di-da-di-da. La-di-da-di-da. So, so speaking of people going places, huh, how about that segue? Uh, <laughs> You're not supposed to point out the segues. Unless it's like the little scooter segue, then you can point out, hey, look at that segue. Look at that segue. But I mean, now they're kind of old. Even mall cops use this. Are those, no, are you sure they're segues? Or are they, because here in Sioux Falls, uh, the parking meter folks have a little tri wheel, tricycle, motorized tricycle, standing tricycle. So is the mall cops, are they actually using segues or are they standing tricycles? I haven't looked under the carriage to check. Well, <laughs> you just look and see three wheels. I mean, I don't Anyway, see, my segue was working well until you went off on segways. That was a tangent on segways, actually. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, so, so what? Places. <laughs> Father, uh, Father, um, once again had a brilliant proposal for a topic today. Um, just the other day, I think on Monday, um, Archbishop uh, Gomez um, of Los Angeles, California. Uh, gave a speech at the at the Na- or, yeah give a speech at the Napa Institute in California on Im- the, the title of it is immigration and the next America perspectives from our history Father I know that you came across reference to this elsewhere so uh, w- before before sort of I summarize it I'm just curious how it piqued your interest when you saw reference to it well I, uh, the way I saw it was being phrased as uh, Archbishop Gomez just really changes a perspective on the immigration debate in the United States. And the way that most of the time you've heard about the immigration debate just over the past couple of years is really just uh, more on issues of justice more than anything. Uh, and I think both, both parties using the issue of justice as their uh, lens on which to look at the issue. Justice of, uh, one, allowing people that want to come in, or two, justice of making sure people come in, follow a certain pattern. So it's really just been kind of an issue of justice. Whereas he flips the conversation uh, most uh, to a completely different perspective, more of a historical, and even for us as Christians, a theological perspective. Yeah, yeah. Um, so just so him sort of trying to change the paradigm or the lens through which we view this issue is, is what really intrigued you then? Very much so. Very, I, I thought it was refreshing to look at it in this way. Another thing, I don't think it'll be, well, we'll get to maybe more analysis, but I think it was just very fresh voice on uh, the issue of the perspective that I really hadn't considered or heard before. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I, I I would agree with that. So what he does, so in terms of what does he say in this article, of course you can find it online. I found it um, at the National Catholic Register, but if you just uh, it, Google um, Archbishop Gomez, Jose Gomez and immigration, you should be able to find it pretty easily. Um, what he does, he sort of goes through and shows how, what is the story of America? What is our, our mythology, so to speak? Uh, and and he, um, he, he shows how, reminds us of, of what, hopefully we all learned in history that America was settled, yes, by the pilgrims in New England, but then also um, by Hispanic Catholics in Florida, um, Texas, the Southwest, California, and all up, uh, up the Western, the Western coast. So, so, and he's saying that we have to remember that part of the American story is it, it's both sort of the Anglo Anglo Protestant uh, influence, but also the Catholic Hispanic influence as well, and they both come together and make up the American story, which is not. You know, he references G.K. Chesterton um, that America is the only nation uh, with this with a creed, with creed. because we're with we're not we're not organized around race, uh, kinship, or or geography. We're organized more around an idea. Uh, being American means more. It's more of a conceptual understanding than a defined by what your kinship or race is or by where where you happen to live um so looking at that and then how to, what it means to be american is you know the the, the rights of the individual the dignity of the human person and so on uh and, and and he says that it with in the immigration debate this has been forgotten that those historical truths have been forgotten we need to remember them and looking to the future the renewal of our country uh, depends on us Remembering these truths and then sort of implementing them in the sense of, of, of uh, we're talking primarily here, of course, about Hispanic immigration, but, but Hispanic immigrants have a lot to offer our nation in terms of its renewal, moral, intellectual, uh, all the ways uh, that, we, that we need renewal. Uh, is that a fair summary of your understanding of the article, Father? Yeah, I think pretty fair. So... Um, in, in terms of analysis, what what we and we talked about what struck you, but what what what, what more would you want to say about the analysis of the article? Well, I think uh, his his historical analysis of I think this land which became the United States, I think uh, was very striking. I think the whole idea of um, the land, the history of the land itself, as that missing piece of American history, as he called it. You know, um, and as you talked about it, kind of the notion of um, the uh, the settling. You know, it's it's Plymouth Rock, it's Washington, Jefferson. You know, and, um, and and things like that is kind of the bulk of our American conception of history. That's how we learned it in history book. That's how we learned it in Bugs Bunny cartoons. Right. You know, uh, that's that's how we learned it. I never learned about like the anti-Catholic aspect of America until a Mel Brooks movie. <laughs> you know, until Blazing Saddles. Oh. And, uh, uh, so, so for me, I mean, you, you talk about the things we all learned in history. We never really, I mean, maybe nowadays they're more sensitive to these facts, I don't know, but we never really talked much about that. You know, it was kind of more an addendum. You know, so we talk about, you know, the pilgrims, the colonization of the Northeast, Declaration of Independence, things like this. But then, you know, at some point you do a footnote 
on uh, Florida, California, things like that, even though this stuff is happening 200 years or more before you know, the Declaration of Independence. I, I, I agree with you. I mean, for me, what I recall from, you know, maybe uh, junior or well, my K through 12 education, um, when it comes to American history about this is the missions, you know, some reference to the missions that were established in uh, California primarily. Um, and, and, and that was about it. I mean, certainly to some degree, the, the influence of the Spanish, but never really acknowledging the Catholic dimension of the Spanish influence. Right. And that evangelical zeal, which is yeah. part of their, uh, their mission to the, to the West. And furthermore, I mean, if, if they were mentioned, they're mentioned more almost in a quasi-derogatory uh, right. fashion when you talk about the, the missions out West. And even, even the way the Spanish, uh, derogatory one sense in the sense of proselytization, that was an offense to the native peoples, and secondly, uh, derogatory in the sense of being, you know, technologically or socially backwards. Right. I mean, it wasn't a very complimentary look at the missions. I think part of it too was, you know, you're you're kind of having your mind, you know, 18th century, 19th century, and all of a sudden you're looking at 16th century again, you know, 200 years earlier, but they're never really calling that that to mind. Right. Yeah, he, he uh, at one point early on, he talks about our national story, um, just referring again to sort of the New England, the Anglo-Protestant aspect. And he says, but the story of the founding fathers and they tr the truths they held to be self-evident is not the whole story about America. The rest of the story starts more than a century before the pilgrims. Right. It, starts, it starts in the 1520s in Florida and the 15 Florida, 1540s. Here in California, it's not a story of colonial settlement and political and economic opportunity. It's the story of exploration and evangelization. The story is not Anglo-Protestant, but Hispanic Catholic. It is centered not in New England, but in Nueva España, New Spain, at opposite, order, opposite corners of the continent. And then later he quotes the 19th century historian John Gilmary Shea, um, Mass was, this is Archbishop Gomez summarizing, before there are houses in this land, there were altars. And then the quote from Shea, Mass was said to hallow the land and draw down the blessing of heaven before the first step was taken to rear a human habitation. The altar was older than the hearth. Uh, so just, I think everything you were just saying, it, it, um, it, it was about evangelization and, and bringing the good news of Jesus Christ uh, to the, to the, the, the Americas uh, before it was about settling and uh, Pilgrim Rock and or Plymouth Rock and the pilgrims and so on. Right, and, uh, and it's interesting because a lot of the evidence is there around us. We don't notice it. I mean, I was a little attentive to it, and this, is, I think, is part of my fondness for his address, was I got to be in St. Augustine, Florida this uh, March with my family for a little family vacation. And so going to the cathedral there and visiting some of the shrines and the sites and realizing you know, the antiquity of something like that in the United States. Right, yeah, and... and, and, and you know, he says it's forgotten. You know, I, I was, and I sort of referred to that, what we learned in history. But um, as, I, as I told you, Father, before we recorded, this is maybe where, in a sense, where I disagree with Archbishop Gomez uh, in a superficial way or, or, or at the periphery. 
in the case of you and I, it's not so much that these things have been uh, forgotten. It's they were never learned. And I think that's pretty common that that this dimension of the, the whole story, of the, the whole aspect, the missing piece of American history, um, the missing piece of, our, piece of our national story has never really been integrated into the, the mythology of what it means to be an American. You think about the big national holidays like the 4th of July uh, and uh, Thanksgiving. They they don't refer to this whole aspect of 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 the what what happened in the opposite the other corners of the nation as it was being um, evangelized by Hispanic Catholics. Exactly, and um, you just uh, I think you, you you touch it right on the nose there with that um, that we haven't been taught that, and like going through and looking and and so many of these things are right in front of our face though. Um, as he talks about, you know, the, the names in California, you know, Sacramento, you know, the most holy sacrament, Las Cruces, the cross, yep. Las Cruces, New Mexico, San Antonio, St. Anthony, Corpus, Corpus Christi, yep. you know, the body of Christ, the Sangre de Cristo Mountains. Right. Um, but also, most, too, another one that I often forget is, you know, our French Catholic roots. Yep. Yeah. Up in the Northeast, even. Yep. Uh, St. Isaac Jogues, and he mentions... Uh, uh, Mother Joseph as well, the Jean de Berbeuf, people like that. And so um, that is just a rich part of our history that we we don't know. Right, we don't know. So it, it's not that, I think in many cases at least, it's not that it has to be remembered, it has to be learned. Right. Uh, this, this is part of what it means to be um uh, of what it means to be America, it's part of, it's part of the American story. Um, so, what else? Anything else that struck you about the article, Father? Well, I think uh, now we go on to the notion of, of renewal, then, and a connection between the past. And I think this is a, a marvelous and a good notion. It's it's a marvelous bit of Catholic theology, and it's a very Catholic outlook on life by the Archbishop. Oddly enough. Bishop of Los Angeles has a Catholic perspective. Very refreshing, actually, in some senses. But anyway, uh... hey. <laughs> um, so, uh, but um, so the notion then that uh, that we need to call upon this past. I think this beautiful quote again from John uh, John Gilmary Shea. Mass was said to hallow the land and draw down the blessing of heaven before the first step was taken to rear a human habitation. You know, the altar was older than the hearth. You know, they, they said mass before they built a home. Right. You know, and they came uh, to the slant. So well, one of the things I've been kind of big on some of my college students and some other people I work with is the idea that, um, you know, when something's been blessed, or you yourself, of course, baptized, confirmed, Call to mind your baptism, your confirmation, and live in the blessing of those things. You know, to in a mindful way pray in those things. You know, Lord, you claim me in my baptism. You know, I was sealed with your Holy Spirit of confirmation. Now bring me your help in such and such a thing, in such and such a, a battle or difficulty. Um, you know, calling to mind that a place has been blessed. You know, and so when you feel difficulty, you feel attack in your home, your home has been blessed. You know, pray, call to mind, you know, Lord, you... Uh, your priest came and blessed this home. And so I want to live in your blessing and your goodness and your kindness. And so people be mindful of that. I think this, I think it's good for us to be historical in that theological sense for the United States. Right. For, for the, so, so how does that 
you, you, you prefaced that with renewal and just sort of to 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 uh, connect the dots there. So how how do you think, at least understanding what Archbishop Gomez is saying, how does that lead to renewal, what you were just saying? Well, so with the one dot, then we have the idea that um, right now we are in need of renewal. So yep. with the dot, um, just in the sense of uh, the decay of family, vocations, other difficulties within our country, uh, both internal to the church and external to the uh, uh, country at large, this need for renewal. As he talks about, uh, or as I think one commentary I saw spoke of, the need for renewal as uh, economic, political, spiritual, cultural, and moral renewal. Right. Uh, we have this need of it. At the same time, to call to mind, then that's not, while it is a difficult battle, you know, uh, that the... Um, that the Lord is here, our Lord's been blessed, that goodness is already, the masses have been prayed for almost 400 years in this continent. Right. The Holy Mass has been prayed for almost 400 years in this continent, and that's beautiful. Right. So, so this, I mean, the renewal, any authentic, I mean, this isn't necessarily how we speak about it in, in the public square, so to speak, unfortunately. But the, the fact is that, that, as you were just saying, Christ is present in our land and, and renewal uh, always requires returning to our spiritual roots, to spiritual realities. Uh, and, and so... Um, in this case, what we're talking about is remembering who we are uh, and, and where we come from and bringing that, uh, that perspective to bear in our public life so that we can be renewed in all those various ways. Exactly. And so, and so it's not, you, you're not alone. And those masses have been played, prayed for the people of this land even then, almost 500 years ago. Right, right. So, yeah, so renewal having that. Sorry, go ahead. Okay. Well, I asked a question. Go ahead. No, I was just going to... Renewal happening that way, I was frankly going to transition to another point yeah. on this. Okay. So, so as we look at this renewal, I think... And again, this I think for us internal in the church as Catholics, it points to the reality that uh, renewal has to be something then too that's founded in Christ, as you yeah. yourself were saying. But also... Uh, that for us in the church, that renewal also is going to be through individuals. The renewal of our country, of our church, is always through saints. Yep. You know, yep. The saints of the true reform, as Pope Benedict said at yep. 2005 World Youth Day in uh, Cologne, Germany. The saints are the true reformers. And so, you know, the church's mission is not so much that I need to reform Congress. Right. right but I need to reform the next generation of congressmen to be men and women of virtue and character and morals and a foundation and that are going to learn in their own individual genius how it is and what it means to integrate that into uh, the public life. Right. Yeah. So yeah, the renewal begins with, with me <laughs> and right. then my, and then my family and from there, you know, and, and maybe and how I call... my friends and neighbors. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I, you know, our, our our political our our national discourse is so heavy politi political politicized yes. in the sense not not necessarily even in terms of partisanship but just in the sense that we see politics as our salvation. Yes. I mean, if we want to affect change in our country, we need to change you know political positions, political leadership, whatever. No, we need to change ourselves. Right. Yeah. And yeah. then everything will flow from. That's the, change I can believe in. 
the chat. The <laughs> Did I just stand it over Google? Oh, man. I'm in yeah, you tagged NSA. Here, there's a black helicopter behind you. Um, or is that the black shirt? I guess you're wearing oh, that. Sorry. I was confused. Uh, yeah, for some reason, there's, there's black shirts uh, around me. I don't, I don't understand there's, a, there's a line or a, a, a phrase that, that I think originally goes back a few years to, uh, to uh, a congressional staffer. Politics is downstream from culture. And I think mm. we've forgotten that or never knew it in some cases. That if, if we really want to affect change, in our, in, it's about the culture. And the culture, again, ultimately goes back to each of us as individuals and then our families and so on. Uh, but I love that politics is downstream from culture. Stop trying to change the politicians and their, their positions. Well, don't stop trying, but recognize that they're reflecting our culture, that they're flowing from the wellspring of our culture in many ways. And there is some feedback loop there. Um, but 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 the primacy is still with the culture, and I think uh, we need to realize that and, and and focus at least more of our energy on changing the culture, which again begins by changing ourselves. So, right, and and that sort of flows. One of the one of the things that you know this article brought to my mind is that 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 a Catholic perspective on public policy on political questions. Um, questions of, of, of public policy again, uh, it transcends partisan divisions. You know, I, people want to put Catholics, maybe at one time we were in the Democrat box, maybe from some people now, Catholics are in the Republican box. Or no, we, we transcend those those boxes because uh, we're, we're at least, well, our teachings reflect and therefore we as Catholics, hopefully we're trying to reflect eternal truths that oftentimes shatter human categories. Right, which is always the challenge, the eternal and continual challenge of Catholics in the political life is how to form and to express those things in that way. Right. So, um, anything else, Father, from, from the well, I article? I think the problem thing is, is back on that notion of renewal then, okay. and I think this might be the more contentious part of uh, His Excellency's address, is that uh, the, the source of renewal... Uh, that we desperately need would be through our, those immigrant immigrant brothers and sisters, um, not just economically and politically, but also spiritually, morally, and culturally. Yeah, and, and, and just maybe a couple anecdotes come to mind just to illustrate some of my encounters with this in a positive sense. Uh, the first would be I was at a uh, uh, gathering with some nuns from Spain that we have in the Diocese of Sioux Falls at the Cathedral of St. Joseph, which you should go visit now that it's open. Absolutely. Uh, but uh, a couple of years ago, as a seminarian over Christmas time, I and some other seminarians uh, at the time, uh, Bishop Carlson, went over and we had dinner with them. And at the end of dinner, there was some brothers from their order that were visiting them. And the brothers like stood up and did this dance, this like cultural dance with a lit candle on top of his head. Wow. You know, doing this dance and stuff like that. And it was amazing. It was neat. And then they get done. And, you know, and as only you can when you don't speak each other's language, they're like, look at us seminarians. Like, all right, what are you going to contribute? And we were all looking at each other like, uh, do you have a Nintendo? We could play some Nintendo. I'm pretty good at Super Mario Brothers. You know, or uh, you know, we could do the Macarena, if you remember that horrible song and dance. But... Horrible. The, the cultural poverty of consumer America. Right. In that sense. Now, I mean, now consumerism might 
and does in many ways swallow up uh, those who come into it, but it could use some leavening in that sense. Right. Yeah, I, I think of, uh, there's, a, there's a song by um, an English folk duo, uh, British folk duo. Um, I don't remember the name of the group, but the song is called Roots. And they're talking, of course, in, the, in, their, in their context about, about um, Britain uh, and, and their roots, but how, you know, they, they, they see an impoverishment of their cultural identity of what, what, is it, what, what do we have to contribute? And I think uh, it echoes very much what you were just saying about, yeah, what do we, what do we provide Nintendo, as you were saying? Right. Uh, well, all of our culture is now consumer culture. It's, right. all, it's, all that you, it's all things you receive. It's not <clears throat> very little of it is anything you produce or do yeah. or put in or that you create. Right. You know, I so what's our culture? Sports, music, movies, TV. Yep. It's all things that you, for the most part, passively take part in. Right. You know, and, and so even then, then we try to find ways through blogs, chats, uh, fantasy leagues to try and take part in these things that otherwise you're just a passive participant in. Right. But it's but it's still a derivative participation i mean we're not a fantasy football league for instance uh you know we're not the one playing the game we're right. you know we're and that's true about sports in general i mean you know sports is is a multi-million dollar business in america uh but the vast majority of the participants sit on the couches and watch other people a few a handful of other people play the games exactly yeah and so i think um so one and now and whether or not that can be counteracted, I don't know. But that's uh, the other notion, though, too, is that um, because in some ways many of them have um, some good faith as well. I mean, uh, I know some people might disparage the the Catholic faith of uh, some immigrants, saying it's not very strong. But you know, I think at the same time there is some there is definite beauty to it, and uh, our faith certainly as a whole is not strong either. And so, who, uh, those of you without sin can throw the first stone in this. Right, sense. right. Um, but I think that's probably be the most uh, contentious, and in some ways, I think ill-defined uh, uh, notion of uh, his his address. Uh, it's sort of along those lines. Uh, one thing that he said, you know, he talks about how um, there's he wor he worries that there's a new period of nativism, of of uh, bigotry um towards immigrants simply because they are other uh because they're hispanic of a different race of a different creed so to speak uh and, and he he reminds us that many of the immigrants are not coming here to this is his words but basically he's saying they're not coming here in order to uh to uh sit in their apartments all day and watch cable TV being subsidized by the American welfare system or something, right. which I think how some, some, some commentators put it. Uh, he says, the truth is that very few people choose to leave their homelands. Emigration is almost always forced upon people by the dire conditions they face in their lives. Most of the men and women who are living in America without proper documentation have traveled hundreds, even thousands of miles. They have left behind it everything behind risk their safety in their lives they have done this not for their own comfort or selfish interests they have done this to feed their loved ones to be good mothers and fathers to be loving sons and daughters these immigrants no matter how they came here are people of energy and aspiration they are people who are not afraid of hard work or sacrifice they are nothing like the people that professor samuel huntington and others are describing 
These men and women have courage and other virtues. The vast majority of them believe in Jesus Christ and love our Catholic Church. They share traditional American values of faith, family, and community. Um, so yeah, why, 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 why alienate them by basically calling name, calling them names? You know, lazy and uh, you know, and identifying them by their by their status in law. They're illegals. They're aliens. Well, I mean, no, they're, they're human beings. Well, and I think, yeah, they are. And they have, and, they have much to, and they have the opportunity to contribute. And I think it also goes back to the Chestertonian notion that America is the only country with a creed. Again, America is not a country based on ethnic lines and never has been. And so to say, you know, that as this Samuel Huntington does, this Harvard uh, professor, says that, you know, they come, they're going to threaten American culture. You know, to a certain extent, American culture is really founded on its creed. You know, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men uh, have been endowed, or I'm going to goof this up worse than some pe- public people do. But you know, that, <laughs> you know that, uh, that all all men are endowed by the Creator with certain unalienable rights. Chief among these are the rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Right. And that really is the heart of America. Yep. Yep. Okay, Father, anything else that uh, struck you about the article? No, I think it's, uh, again, it's, I don't think it's the last word, but I think it's, it's, it could be the possibility of a different uh, part of the conversation. Yeah, right. I, I completely agree. Um, it, it gave me, a, 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 it helped me, helped me to have a look at this from another perspective. As you said at the very beginning, he, he tries to frame this from an, uh, through a new lens from a different perspective than we often hear it. And I think he succeeds that way, if nothing else. All right. Thanks, Father. My pleasure. And we will be back again next week with another episode of Prayer Own Companion. God bless.